is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough! I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. You hear this? This is me talking on the radio, unencumbered by any technical difficulties. Flip on 105.9 for just half a second, and then come back, okay? I'll even count. Mississippi. Nothing. Madden's off the air. Technical problems at Buford's Kitchen. I, however, am in studio. No technical problems. I think you found the show you're going to be listening to all day. Of course, it's the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and now you are, too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I've got a big old sportsy poll up right now on my Twitter account. Putting clothes on your dog. Douche move or normal AF? We'll get into that in more detail coming up in just a few minutes. My heater was all on the fritz today. So I had to bring my dog into work because it was 53 freaking degrees in my house and she was shivering. So I put the sweater on her so she wouldn't die. But I'm finding out that, that makes me a bad guy. I'm a great guy. My dog loves me for it. Screw you. Screw you, incidentally, is the same thing Sean Miller has reportedly said to Pitt. Sean Miller, not offered the job by Pitt, according to some outlets. He was offered the job by Pitt, according to other outlets. Danny Hurley still sitting on a $3 million from the University of Pittsburgh, and really, I don't know what the F to believe. A dude from the station across the street says that Heather Light did not want to offer a contract to Sean Miller because she doesn't want to stake her reputation on bringing in a guy who's been investigated by the FBI. I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to really sink my teeth into here, but all I can say is <laughs> Pitt is just a joke right now. And really, it's fallen so quickly. I realize Jamie Dixon was bounced from the NCAA tournament in the first round, but at least they made it. And hell, last year, they won the NIT. That's better than being ass, which is what Pitt was last year. What a joke their athletic program has become. All of it. Basketball, awful. Football, eh, I guess it's where it's always been. But when the basketball looks bad, the football at 5-7, and seven, well, you're going to lump it in too. What I will say is this. The super genius who's not on the air right now, you could flip the station if you want to check, Still not there. I'm here. He wrote for WXDX.com that nobody should want the pit job, that it's one of the worst jobs in all, all of sports. And I think that's laughably stupid. He's not. That take, however, not a great one. It's still a job in the ACC. It's a place where we've seen success over the last decade plus. It's a Power 5 job that's going to pay a coach maybe $3 million. 
it's a joke of a program right now, but it is better than Rhode Island. It's better than an A-10 school. It's better than a lower-tier conference school. Pitt can still be great if the right person takes the job. And I think that if you are a coach at any level of basketball that has not coached at the ACC level yet, you would jump at an opportunity to do that if there weren't other people throwing their hooks in the water. I still think UConn's a better job. I think Rhode Island, not as good of a job, but eventually they might be building a statue of Dan Hurley. But if you take those out of the equation, then you're looking at the University of Pittsburgh, and I don't know how you can say, oh, it's a terrible job. It's not. It's an ACC job where you can make a lot of money, and if you win, they're going to love you. If you win, you're going to be the guy who resurrected it all again. If you win, you push Kevin Stallings farther and farther away. You push Scott Barnes farther and farther away. It's like if somebody said, oh, you shouldn't take the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. Well, why? It's still an NFL coaching job. If you're offered it, you'd be dumb to turn it down unless there are, again, better hooks in the water. You're not going to turn it down. Hugh Jackson didn't turn it down. Hugh Jackson was a really good offensive coordinator and he took that job because why because it's an nfl job the pit job might not be the best job in the acc hell it's not in the top half right now but it's still a good job did i just defend pit and slam pit all in the same segment i think i did 412-922-2874 tweet me at underscore adam crowley as for the report that sean miller was not offered the job by Heather Like. I understand why she wouldn't want to do that. She's not exactly on firm ground right now because she's being a jerk bag about trying to take some of the money away from Kevin Stallings. That does not look good for other coaches around the NCAA. It doesn't look good for your next prospective hire that you are not going to pay the last guy, or at least try not to pay the last guy, what he's owed in his contract. But because people have a bad taste in their mouth because of what Heather likes doing, I think Heather's doing the right thing by not offering the gig to Sean Miller. Now, I would offer the gig to Sean Miller because I think that guy is a damn good coach. He's a pit guy, and I think as a pit guy, he'd be more inclined to stick around if things started to get better. And they would have to get better because they can't get worse. But Heather like she's scurred. And she should be scurred. Because this hire is her job. If the next basketball coach sucks out loud, she's gone. If the next basketball coach is going to the NCAA tournament in two, three years, she sticks around. It's a referendum on her career as an administrator, not just at Pitt, but even beyond. So I get where she's coming from, but I'm me. Radio man in Radio Land in Radio Man in Radio Land can say, bring in Sean Miller. Bring in the sweatball. But I do get where she's coming from. As for Danny Hurley, he's supposed to make a decision today. I'm scrolling vigorously through Twitter, and I'm seeing nothing yet. Here's the deal, though. If Pitt doesn't get Danny Hurley, there are a lot of good coaches out there. There really are. They don't need Sean Miller. They don't need Hurley. There are a bunch of great coaches out there that could do a great job. Jamie Dixon was an assistant coach, and Jamie Dixon took off. Frank Beamer, his first four or five years at Virginia Tech was ass. Instead of firing him, they kept him around, and he became 
a great college football coach, winning at a place where we hadn't seen anybody win before. You can find guys who can learn on the job. You can find people who are smart basketball people that might not be the big name. While I would like Pitt to get a Sean Miller or a Danny Hurley, it doesn't necessarily mean that they lose if they don't get one of those guys. They can still bring in a good hire. There are still good basketball coaches out there, and it's ridiculous to think otherwise. It's ridiculous to think that just because you haven't heard of someone, they're not good. Case in point, listening to that station across the street, Crook was talking about Tyron Matthew and how much he wanted him to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And then when talking about Morgan Burnett, he said, "Ah, I don't know about this guy, never seen him play. The issue was that he had heard of Honey Badger and had never heard of Morgan Burnett. Just because you haven't heard of the guy doesn't mean he can't be just as good of a coach. There's a bunch of good coaches out there. The hope's got to be that Pitt finds one of them. Kevin Colbert deserves some benefit of the doubt. The Steelers' general manager. Amid criticism that the Steelers missed out on Tyron Matthew, Kevin Colbert just keeps plugging roster holes. Tim Benz wrote a column about this in the trip today. I wrote a blog about it yesterday on ESPNPGH.com. I've seen no less than three columnists rip Kevin Colbert for not signing Tyron Matthew. Radio hosts, columnists, they generally aren't known for patience. On the other hand, Kevin Colbert, to steal Langism, has more patience than Mercy Hospital. Coming into free agency, Burnett was considered by many to be the best safety on the market. Just like that, Kevin Colbert's plugged Pittsburgh's biggest hole in the secondary. This coming just days after Colbert signed John Bossy to improve the inside linebacker position. Pittsburgh is, without a doubt, better now than at the end of the season. Bostick is an upgrade over Sean Spence, and Morgan Burnett is better player than Mike Mitchell. These additions were made while still keeping Le'Veon Bell in black and gold for the 2018 season. Kevin Colbert is not above reproach, but he's one of the best general managers in the National Football League, and the Pittsburgh media should be willing to give that guy the benefit of the doubt. Yesterday, in the 6 o'clock hour of the show, I told maybe one of the worst jokes I've ever told. This coming just a day after Brian told one of the worst jokes in the history of the radio show. We were trying to pull the jokes to compare and contrast at the end of the program yesterday, but unfortunately Tom's computer froze, or he was talking to Katie. That we have not yet determined. But we were talking about double jeopardy yesterday in the 6 o'clock hour, and I believe strongly that double jeopardy means that you cannot be tried for multiple crimes at one time. If you shoot up a gas station and then go sell drugs all in one fell swoop, you can't get punished for the drugs. And it bothers me that a law was created, double jeopardy, and named after a game show. So here's the joke that I told. That is frustrating to me. You would think that the Constitution would bear these kinds of things out. The legalities in Pennsylvania shouldn't be ripping something from a game show. I mean, what's next? Are we going to have... Who wants to be a millionaire is the name of Social Security? Okay, so that's the worst joke I've ever told. (laughs) That's the worst joke a lot of people have ever told. Either, Either on the air or otherwise. That is just an awful joke. Is it worse than Brian's joke when we were talking about Tom not being a great producer and not dinging every time he hears the word but? 
I think Tom was sleeping on the butt there. He missed it. He did. Got that one, though. I know, and I set it up so well. That was perfect. That You know what, Tom? That was bad by you. Yeah, that was. I don't know, I'm going to wear that one. What are you doing in there? Because you missed full, it. You full missed, transparency? Yeah. I was posting the podcast. You missed like four butts. <laughs> I almost funny. missed that one right there. I, I thought Tom never missed a butt. Oh, that's awful, too. That's good. I think yours is better than mine, though. <laughs> I thought mine, Tom never missed a butt. Mine, I had loaded up in my head what I thought it could possibly be. I knew that there was a joke there, but I didn't know how to get from point A to point B. What's next? Are we going to have who wants to be a millionaire is the name of Social Security? I sound like the guy saying, what's the deal with all the airline food? <laughs> That's as bad as it gets right there. I mean, look. What's at, next? At its base, we should both be ashamed of ourselves. We should be. That, that, is, that is very true right there. But I, man, I don't know. I think maybe, I, I think yours might be a little worse. Yeah, I think so too. I think that I, it might be a reach. I'd like to hear what people think. Me too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Whose joke was worse, Brian's? I thought Tom never missed a butt. Or mine. What's next? Are we gonna have? <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? Is the name of Social Security? Lost in the shuffle there is that Tom edited out like eight seconds of pause where my awful joke telling self is grinding gears in my brain trying to come up with something hilarious. It actually got a little bit funnier, like, with the with the gaps missing. I, th- I think that might have helped a little bit. Still bad, don't get me wrong. Mm. Still really bad, mm. but it might have helped just a little. Makes it seem a lot more witty. Like you knew where you were going. When I don't take long pauses. We've got Alan Saunders from Pittsburgh Sports Now to talk about the pit disaster. Debacle. Debauchery. Coming up next... We've got my man, Jesse Marshall, at 520 to talk all things hockey. And coming up at 440, my list of 20 dominant athletes. The ESPN, the magazine version sucked. I've got the definitive definitive list. That at 440, but next, Alan Saunders. It's the Crowley Show. What's next? Are we going to have who wants to be a millionaire is the name of Social Security? I thought Tom never missed a butt. The Penguins lost a stinker last night. I'll tell you why. It's not that big of a deal coming up in 19 minutes. But first, Pitt, what the hell is going on? Seriously, it's like high school right now with Pitt. I'm getting blue balls. Alan Saunders, Pittsburgh Sports Now, joins me here on the Crowley Show. Saunders, what's up, man? Oh, just about everything, as usual. Whoa, hopefully not everything. Sounds like you're driving there, man. You might want to pull over. Uh, Alan, what is happening? (laughs) Did I already ask that? I mean, do we have any idea of what's happening? Uh, Everything is happening. I don't know. No, I have no idea what's happening. I mean, I I think I'm... It's it's insane. I think actually what's happening has changed between when you asked me to be on the show this morning and now. I think uh, so, too. Wait. I also thought you were going to keep talking there. So let me ask you a real question instead of just being a D-bag over here. 
What's the best case scenario for Pitt? We'll start there. Uh, Dan Hurley says, I like that offer. That $3 million sounds good. I want to coach in the ACC. And he does it really, really quickly. And Pitt has a coach that everybody likes. It's the perfect hire. And uh, Heather Light comes out of this looking pretty awesome. I would imagine that for Heather Like, that's what needs to happen. And even if they hire somebody else, I don't think she can have Sean Miller attached to her name with the aspirations that she has. If Sean Miller were to get found to have been doing some shady things by the FBI, she's going to wind up going down too then, and she would no longer, I would think, be the AD at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially hitching your career to whether or not someone else is going to get arrested. Or, or even not even to that level, just end up with significant NCAA sanctions that would torpedo the program. I just, I, I think that's a risk that a relatively young athletic director uh, who's at her first major conference job and has only been on it for a year, I, I just don't see that as being a reasonable risk for her to be willing to take. I think maybe if it's a different person in a different position and a different program. Um, and, and Pitt has been historically very conservative uh, in regards to things like this. So I'm not even sure that she could have hired Sean Miller if she wanted to. Uh, but certainly I, I just think all that baggage there makes it a really, really tough sell uh, for an athletic director in her position. Is the $3 million figure that we're hearing for Danny Hurley – uh, something that was leaked by the Pitt Athletic Department because they want people to know that they tried? Or is that an actual number that they were able to get in order to try to bring this guy on board? Because that seems like an awful lot of money for a, a program that's going to be out $9.5 million in all likelihood. It does sound like a lot of money. And I'll be honest, I said at the beginning of this process, I didn't think Pitt would have that kind of money to work with after paying Kevin Stallings' buyout. But, I mean, it's John Rothstein, who's one of the most plugged-in guys in college basketball, who reported that figure. Uh, I don't have any reason to doubt its accuracy. And so when you start to think about where did it come from, I I don't know if it came from Pitt, but it certainly makes Pitt look good either way. I think so. Uh, That that they have that money, that they were willing to spend that kind of money. Uh, So I don't know if Pitt's the one that leaked it. I mean, certainly... You can see the benefit from the other side, too. Maybe maybe Hurley's agent is trying to get more money out of UConn. Um, it, it could be one of those things that works both ways, but it certainly makes Pitt come off looking pretty good in that situation. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker one nine. It's extra greasy, so you keep it easy. Got a flock of lame ducks spread out on the granny side, going to nook on seventy nine. The local yokers are in the shed, getting ready to play pin the tail on the ducky. So back that hammer down, unless you want to frown. It's the Smucker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, a Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the bushes, Bear in the air. You give us a holler, we'll get you home without the extra freight. And remember, always keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. Over now. What's a better job, Yukon or Pitt? You know, I think it's interesting because that debate was going back and forth on on Twitter a lot yesterday, and I don't think it really matters when it comes to what uh, Dan Hurley wants. You know, but in, in general, I think you'd have to think Pitt is a better job because of the conference, the revenue that comes with the conference, 
And the fact that, I mean, UConn really did get screwed in this latest round of, of conference realignment. Um, you know, it's just not a particularly, I mean, I don't think East Carolina and the like in the American are, are, are really moving the needle for UConn basketball fans. I know Pitt fans aren't always thrilled about everything in the ACC, and I think they make some good points, but it's hard to argue that anybody ended up worse off than UConn in that whole uh, last round of moves. And so I think in general Pitt is the better job, but, I mean, in general people don't take the job that's always seen as the quote-unquote better job. I mean, if somebody asked me to move to Minnesota to cover the Twins, might that be a better job? Yeah, but I probably wouldn't do it. Uh, so I, I think, you know, in, in this specific instance, I don't, I don't think that that distinction really matters much, but I think in general it's a better job. I'll play a little devil's advocate there. I don't think that you're wrong by any stretch, and really it is just in the eye of the beholder, certainly, but I think UConn is the flagship program of that conference when they're at the peak of their possible performance. We saw that if you win in that conference, you can get seeded highly in the NCAA tournament. Cincinnati was a number two seed. Wichita State got a four seed. Houston. And then you've got the likes of Memphis, who's in that conference. Uh, you have some teams there that I think can help bolster that conference and make it feel a little bit more like the Big East does now. And if UConn were able to win that conference, I think that that could carry some clout. And I think it's easier to win there quicker and still make the NCAA tournament than it would be at the University of Pittsburgh. I certainly agree with that last point. And I don't think Pitt is a hard turnaround. I mean, you look at the, you know, from 0 and 19 to the fact that it's just a steeper climb in the ACC than it would be in the American. And I think Pitt has farther to go than UConn does to get to a place where the fan base is going to be happy with the results. So, yeah, I think it's a harder job right now. But I think most of the time, I think if you ask coaches and the people that have that kind of personality, they're not, they're never afraid of that challenge. They always think they can do it. Maybe they can't, but I think most guys in that position think, yeah, that might be hard, but I can do it. I can get that done. And then when I do, I'll have built a successful program in the ACC against really long odds. How long do you think, and Alan Saunders joining me here on the show, uh, check Alan out because he's the best. How long do you think it's going to take, uh, best case, for Pitt to get back to a, a point where they're competitive and, and really contending for the NCAA tournament again? I thought you were going to ask me how long it's going to take them to have a coach, and I was going to say, oh, I don't know, but I yeah, right. an hour. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that's a tough question for me to ask. How long is it going to take for them to turn it around when we don't even know who the hell a coach is going to be? I think it's a it's a couple of years. It's clearly, I mean, I don't think that there's anybody out there that's going to come in in, in year one and do anything of note. Uh, even year two, it's, it's you know, Pitt is not the kind of program that's going to get one and done. It's not the kind of program that is going to get guys that can come in and play at this level as freshmen and be all league players. And that's what it takes to win the ACC. They're going to have to get old eventually. And I think no matter who Pitt hires, even if it's not. Hurley or not, like the big name that I think Pitt fans are looking for, whoever it is, has got to give some time to get old. I think that is the big, if you're not one of the, the, the blue bloods in the ACC, you've got to have an experienced team to compete. So no matter who it is, it's going to take them a couple of years. I think so too. Alan, do you think that Pitt made the wrong decision by getting rid of Kevin Stallings when they did? I think it's really hard to answer that question until we know uh, what the, the final outcome is. 
as far as who coaches the team next year. I think if they get Dan Hurley, then no, I think that was great. And if they end up with one of these other, uh, you know, young mid-major type coaches that, uh, you know, look to be on the rise, I think they, at the very worst, flip the coin. Um, but there's still a possibility that exists out there that Pitt doesn't get one of those coaches, and they end up with another coach that looks a lot like Kevin Stallings while paying Kevin Stallings close to $10 million to not coach. And I think that uh, will will end up looking like a mistake. I do think that there's this misnomer out there that you have to hire a big name. And I know you want to put asses in the seats as soon as possible, I don't think a coach does that anyhow. I think the winning with whatever coach is what ultimately does that. But I think it's a misnomer that there isn't a good coach out there uh, other than those big names. Uh, Jamie Dixon was a guy that was an assistant coach when they brought him in. If they miss out on Hurley, and I know that this isn't what you said, but to all the other people out there, if they miss out on Hurley and if the Sean Miller thing doesn't happen, which it sounds like it's not going to, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to have a good coach. Yeah, there's plenty of good coaches out there. And I think it's about finding a fit that, that, that makes sense and someone that can. I don't think that a coach outside of maybe Miller or maybe Hurley, just because of the way sort of he's been positioned as if they, if Pitt gets Hurley, they'll have gotten kind of the best coach that was available this, this cycle. But maybe outside of those two guys, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to move the needle as far as attendance, as far as getting people excited about the program again. They're going to have to win. But I think it's about finding a fit and someone that people could buy into that they're willing to give him the time it's going to take to turn the program around. I don't think Kevin Stallings ever had that, and I don't think that any length of time was going to give him that. So yeah. I don't necessarily know that the outlook was any better for Kevin Stallings a year from now if he didn't get fired because – he wasn't able to, to sort of get that buy-in from the fan base that this was the guy that Pitt should be building his program around. They have to find that. If they can't find that, I think they're in big trouble. That's a good point by you. The, the next guy, whomever it might be, it wasn't going to happen with Stallings, but I don't care who it is, aside from any... NCAA violations, things like that, or uh, any Haywood situations, you got to give that guy four years. I mean, right? You got to let a whole damn recruiting class go through. Yeah, I'd say at the very least three, anyway, and, and probably four. And yeah, it's going to take some patience. And that's something that uh, I think is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Pitt fans who were pretty upset about the way things went down over the last two years and feel like that's a program that should be at a much higher level than it is right now, but it's just not one that's going to be able to be turned around all that quickly by anyone. It's, it's going to take some time. Really appreciate the time, Alan. Great stuff as always, dude. Good luck out there because, my God, there's information bouncing all over the place. There's hashtag fake news. I don't know what to believe, but I know that I'll read you and that I'll get the best stuff there, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Adam. That's it. I said all that nice stuff about him, and he doesn't even say anything nice about me back. Uh, what happened? Well, I mean, you want to be the guy who says something nice and not expect anything back. You'd be the bigger man. Or not. <laughs> Damn, is that great point by you. Madden, by the way, he's not on the air. <laughs> and he is just... He's, he, I think he might die today. I think today might be the day that Madden passes away, because he is just filling up with take energy. Ugh. Have you have you seen uh, Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory when they get all fat and they start flowing to the top of that 
room, whatever the hell it is. That's what's happening with Mark Madden, but with Takeitude. He's not on the air. He's just firing off tweets left and right. Here's the last one. No way Pitt turned down Miller. No way. Pitt athletics have always been so full of blank. Like is no exception. But half you nitwits believe everything they say. Who cares? If they get Miller, that's fine. If they don't, then that's fine. I don't care who is lying about what. Everybody lies. Everybody I don't like people who are intellectually dishonest. The pirates do that to a fault. But everybody else tries to control the message. And if Pitt's trying to control the message here, I don't blame them. I commend them. If Pitt's out here saying, we offered this guy $3 million and we reached out to Sean Miller and neither of them wanted it, we're trying out here, then they're doing their jobs well. Doesn't make them bad people. It means they're doing their jobs well. Also, if you see a guy who looks like Santa who's passed out somewhere, please, 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 Call your authorities. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, ESPN the magazine came out with their list of 20 dominant athletes over the last 20 years. It was horse bleep. Mine is bad ass. And I'll go piece by piece over it next. Peppering in some pit news. It's the Crowley Show. Saturday, it's the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, and John Cena is back to host for a second time. So, get ready for stars like Zendaya, Channing Tatum, Kristen Bell, Lori Hernandez, Common, and Yara Shahidi, and a canvas performance of Lemon by N.E.R.D. And get ready for a look at some epic movies, Avengers Infinity War, and Smallfoot. It's all going down at the Kids' Choice Awards, live Saturday at 8, 7 central on Nickelodeon. He really misspells a lot of words in his tweets. And I don't think that it's necessary anymore. You can have 280 characters. When you got 140 and you're going to start shortening words and using 8, the number, I get it. But not so much whenever there's 280 characters. They gave you the room. Use it. Underscore Adam Crowley is where the latest unsponsored <clears throat> Twitter poll is. Putting clothes on your dog. Douche move or normal AF? 83% of the people right now saying it's a douche move. More on that later. Just saw another tweet saying that this isn't about appearances when it comes to the pit basketball coaching search. It's about getting the right guy. No, 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 no. It's about both. It's about the appearance, and it's also about getting the right guy. Because if you don't get the right guy, you need Pitt fans to feel like you tried to get the right guy. In college, you pour your heart into everything. I'm a West Virginia fan, in case you didn't know. New to the show here, I bleed black and gold. Also blue and gold. And if West Virginia beats Villanova... On Friday, I'm going to cry. That's who I am. 
But I feel like a lot of college fans are like that. They either attended the school or they've had an allegiance with the school for so long that it is the thing that they care about the most. I think college fans are the easiest fans to troll. Case in point, Tom texted me this morning bringing up the loss to Kentucky by 40 points in the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago, and I didn't want to have anything to do with that conversation. That shiz still hurts to this day. You want your fans, if you're a university, to think that you're all in if you're an athletic department. You want your fans to think that you wanted to pay Danny Hurley $3 million. You want your fans to think that you tried to get Sean Miller. Whether either of these things are true doesn't matter to the administration. But the fan base wants to hear that they tried. If they fall short, fine. But they need to know that they tried. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We do not believe in list radio here on the show. Unless it's my list. ESPN the magazine came out with their top 20 list of the most dominating players over the last 20 years. It is ass. Mine, however, is great. Let's get to the list. <laughs> Number 20 on my list of the most dominating athletes of the last 20 years, John Schuster. Curler. The skip of the United States gold medal winning curling team. If you want to check out a podcast where I talk to the dude, go to ESPNPGH.com. I would have given this spot to the dude with the mustache, but I forgot his name. Number 19 on Crowley's list of dominating athletes in the last 20 years. American Pajaro. I wonder if they dress him, her, it. The winner of the last Triple Crown since Miguel Cabrera deserves some respect. Number 18, Condoleezza Rice. In addition to being Secretary of State under President George W. Bush, she also served as a member of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. She was rumored at one time to be considered for the position of commissioner of baseball. So she must have had a dominant playing career. She's number 18 on the list. Number 17, Peyton Manning. From Knoxville to Indianapolis to Denver and Omaha, Peyton Manning lost more big games than he won. But he's not Cooper E. Eli. That buys it points. He also bought 40 Papa John's. When weed became legal in Colorado, and then when the NFL was getting a lot of flack for Papa John's, he sold them all. Number 16, Landon Donovan. Because he's the only soccer player I've ever heard of. That means he's pretty good. You couldn't even get uh, Tim Howard on there. Somebody, you put Landy Cakes. Good enough for 16th on my list. Number 15 is Claude Giroux. He became the best player in hockey in 2012. He grabbed a police officer by the ass. And he kind of looks like Notre Dame's mascot. 14, Michael Phelps. A renaissance man of sorts. He was solid in the shape of water. He was a winner of 23 gold medals. And Phelps would have been higher on the list, pun intended. 
if he had beaten Jaws in the Animal Planet special. Number 13. Most dominant athlete of the last 20 years is the Steelers' backup quarterback. He's undefeated in the hearts of Yinzers everywhere. Never loss. In real life, he beat the Ravens in 2012 and delivers Christmas presents to children around town. Number 12, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has lately been more famous for being under arrest than under par. That's way too low. What have you done for me lately, Tiger? That moves him down the list a bit. Woods does, however, get some points for being relatable after his wife busted up his car with a golf club. Number 11. Tim Tebow. Is he a man or a god? Perhaps both. Maybe neither. Tim Tebow is one of the most polarizing two-sport athletes of our time. Ike Taylor's got him higher on the list. 10. Kobe. He spawned an entire generation of white kids throwing away trash and saying his name. He's also a renaissance man. He's one of the most decorated basketball players of all time, and he's an Oscar-winning filmmaker. Next, Tom Brady. The greatest quarterback of all time deserves a spot on my list. Brady's cool under pressure. He's unable to be sunburnt. And he's a fabulous kisser. What happened? What do you mean? Nothing. Derek Jeter, number eight. Number two in real life. Number eight on my list. One of the best baseball players and woman layers that the world has ever known. Jeets, as they call him, is currently the CEO and part owner of the Miami Marlins. All fans who attend opening day will get a free gift basket. Number seven. And this guy really could be number one. Without a doubt, this guy could be number one on my list. Ian Cole. One of the 20 most dominant athletes of the last 20 years. Ian Cole single-handedly blocked every shot the last two seasons to carry the Penguins to back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. Columbus asked before he got there, 10-2-0 since acquiring the former Penguins defenseman. Cole also posted a 59-42 and record and a 3.50 ERA with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Number six, Serena. Serena is the most dominant two-sport athlete of our time. Not only did she win 23 major titles, but she also hit 23 grand slams. I didn't even know she played baseball. Number five, Barry Bonds. He could be one, too. Many talented athletes try to get by with pedigree. Same can't be said for Barry Bonds. He was always trying to get better. Andro Tandestion? Sure. Windstraw, why not? Decca Durbelin? Hell yes. HGH? Barry Bonds said yes to a lot. That's why he's the best baseball player of all time. Good enough for fifth on my list. Number four. Sid, who's no longer a kid. He's won the Stanley Cup three times, the Hart Trophy twice, the Conn Smythe Trophy twice. He's a bad man. Unfortunately, he's Canadian, or he'd have been third on my list. Third reserve for an American hockey player. Phil Kessel. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion and happens to hold the tiebreaker over the fourth player on the list because he's American. Now, the line between number one and number two on this list was thin. I got LeBron James at number two because LeBron James' collegiate career was a disappointment. 
A simple Wikipedia search shows that he was unable to score a point at any point in college. He was unable to lead Notre Dame to the promised land. Number one, because he did have the collegiate production, the most dominant athlete over the last 20 years, according to Adam Crowley, West Virginia's own Javon Carter, the first Power 5 player and just the fifth player in NCAA history to record 1,500 points, 500 assists, 500 rebounds, and 300 steals in a career. Honestly, I don't even know if it was close between him and LeBron. You know how many steals LeBron had in college, Tom? Uh, exactly zero. <laughs> Carter's got like 700 more assists. You know how many points he scored in college, Tom? Are we talking to LeBron or Javon? Oh, we're talking LeBron. Uh, uh, zero. Zero! Yeah, people might think you're making it up. Look it up. That's well, fact. You gotta look those numbers up. Yep. Is jo- Javon Carter the most prolific JC in the history of the world? Not the most well-known, but I think certainly the most productive. JC has single-handedly risen West Virginia's basketball program from the dead. I consider myself one of his apostles. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The five-minute major coming up in about six and a half minutes here on the Crowley Show as we dive into the debacle that was last night's Penguins game. I don't think there's anything on that list that you can fight me about. Phil Kessel, first of all. Number one on any list, really. It's Phil freaking Kessel. He's a two-time Stanley Cup freaking champion, dude. I think that in a list like this... The top five should be viewed in a different tier. I think Phil Kessel has a claim to be number one, but all human beings have the ability to play basketball because they've all got two feet. Javon Carter does it so much better. Not everyone can afford to play hockey. So Javon Carter's been the most dominant athlete in a sport that's played by more people. Therefore, numero uno. I, I think you underestimated Condoleezza Rice's contri- contributions to sports as well. I you mean, know what? She's always in everything, right? She, I mean, she is the fabric that holds American sports together, really. So 18's kind of shortener. We just got a call. Tom's shaking his head. Looks like he wants to throw himself down some stairs. What happened, Tom? No, it's all good. You know, I'm, I'm always willing to help out a listener in need. Was uh, it somebody trying to get their prize for March Mania? No, uh, that was before. This person just wanted to uh, see if maybe we'd be running back the Kevin Stevens interview with Stan Savern earlier today. Tell Stan that he can listen to his own podcast. Coming up next, I talk about the hockey game. The five-minute major with me, Adam Crowley. Next, it's the Crowley Show.